0: everyone and welcome to the first episode of Manuth University's Library Treasures podcast series. For this first episode we are here with Susan Durack, Senior Library Assistant. Susan has worked here for over 40 years and is knowledgeable about the collections and the history of the library. I'm excited to introduce you all to her and to learn about the Russell Library and its collections. Hi Susan, how are you doing today?
1: Hello David, uh, I am very well and delighted to be here today. To tell you about our special collections in the Russell Library.
0: Would you mind telling us a bit more about your story, uh, where you are from, how you came to work here and anything else you would like to share?
1: Oh yeah, of course. Well, uh, I am working now in special collections and archives in Maynooth Library, uh, as you say, for over 40 years in the library anyway. um, I am from Maynooth, I'm a Maynooth native, I began working in the library in 1979 when the electric typewriter and the card catalogue formed a major part of my working day, uh, as well as, of course, providing services to our students
0: and staff. Can I just say real quick that the card catalogue has been used since I worked here. It has been very helpful in, um, <laughs> in, in finding some, um, some very special materials.
1: Never ever lose your card catalogue. <laughs> <laughs> So, of course, you know, technology happened very, very quickly then after that. Um, it gathered pace and we in the library had to move along with it. In some cases, we had to be ahead of it. We moved to an online catalogue and that uh, we have experienced newer versions of that down through the years. Um, I've worked in all departments of the library, which have stood to me in gaining knowledge of the collections and of all of the processes in each of the departments in the library but uh and i enjoyed my work there and it was very valuable work but i found my niche really in special collections and archives um and it is in that department that you know the work has been a continuous enjoyable and creative learning experience
0: ah very good and um as the listeners can hear the bell is going off um we are right next to a bell tower so we hear it every quarter of an hour. Um, So you work in Special Collections and Archives. Why is the term special in the title?
1: Well, special just about sums up uh, the collections in both our libraries, where the collections and archives are held. That is the John Paul II Library and, of course, here in the Russell Library. Uh, Special collections in library departments uh, usually contain print collections, manuscripts and archives. Print collections are made up of rare publications, limited editions, first editions, signed or annotated copies, fine bindings, and books with wonderful illustrations. Provenance is also another factor which can reveal the book's own journey, for example, who owned it through signatures that we might find on it, uh, or through uh, armorial book plates, book stationer stamps, etc. Special collections also include, as I said, manuscripts, such as our Gaelic manuscripts here in the Russell. And then there are the archival collections, which is ever-increasing in the John Paul II Library.
0: Can you outline how the college was established and why and how uh, Maynooth became its location?
1: Well, Ireland had operated under the civil, economic and restrictive penal laws, which were forced in uh, 1695 by the British government. But by the 1790s, most of these had been uh, repealed. So it gave an opportunity for the resumption of education opportunities abroad to Roman Catholics and to Protestant dissenters. At that time, there was a sizable number of Irish Catholic students being educated in France. So then we had the French Revolution of 1789 with its ideals of liberty, equality and fraternity, which gave the British government pause for thought and these were considered revolutionary ideas. And there was a fear that these ideas would be passed on to the young men who had been educated abroad. After all, those ideas had transferred very well from the American Revolution to the French Revolution. Moreover, it turned out... We had a close minute connection here too. Lord Edward Fitzgerald, son of the Duke of Leinster, had come to believe in those ideas and he had been involved in the American Revolution on the British side, but became aware of the writings of Thomas Paine and the rights of man and got very involved in trying to bring those ideas to Ireland. Lord Edward became a revolutionary and he took part in the 1798 rebellion in Ireland. He was shot, arrested, imprisoned, and died of his wound in Newgate Prison in Dublin. It's ironic that it was the son of the Duke of Leinster that really embodied these uh, ideas that uh, the French Revolution underpinned. The other pressure came from important Catholic families and the clergy in Ireland, and they were pushing for a place to educate young men for the priesthood at home. The idea, when permission was given, that it was better to have this institution established in Ireland where there would be accountability and transparency to the British government because money would be giving, given for that project and for the running of the college.
0: I take it, given that we work here in the Russell Library, that the appeals for this college were indeed successful.
1: Yes, yes. So, assent was given by George III. Now, it was very much debated uh, at the time, but it was given. And then there was the debate about where would it be located. And there was much debate in the papers of the day. And it was really down through the influence of the Duke of Leinster, uh, who was father of Lord Edward Fitzgerald, whose uh, country residence was Carton House outside Maynooth. He, his townhouse was where our current doll meets, at the Leinster House, where our doll meets today. So Stoith House forms the nucleus of the college, and Stoit House was given over with a number of adjoining uh, acres for the college and Stoight was an agent of the Duke of Leinster. A little later, Riverstown House was bought and the building programme then for the other uh, buildings on campus began. A board of trustees was established and these were made up of members of the aristocracy initially uh, with some clergy. And then, of course, an annual grant was given by the British government each year, and this provision was regularly debated in the House of Commons. In our parliamentary papers, which we have online, you'll find a lot of information in relation to Maynooth and the grant, the Maynooth grant, which we have in, in the library. We have that database.
0: Why was the library named the Russell Library, and what is its history?
1: Where the Russell Library is situated is in St. Mary's Quadrangle and the Russell Library is named after Charles William Russell, 1812 to 1880, who was appointed president of the college in 1857. He succeeded Lawrence Renahan, who had been president from 1845 to 1857. And it was Renahan who was very influential in obtaining the services of a distinguished and well-known architect. Augustus Welby Northmore Pugin to design the cloistered quadrangle. The project began in 1845. A grant of £30,000 was given for the building project. The original plan was to include the college chapel but the design was modified and due to rising costs and the chapel became a separate project later on. So Pugin himself is a very interesting um, man. During a visit to Hamburg in 1834, Pugin was inspired by Gothic architecture and this became his kind of artistic vision. As his biographer Rosemary Hill stated, Pugin's dreams of a revived Christendom made manifest in art and architecture was at once all before him. Pugin converted to Catholicism in his early twenties. His patron was John Talbot, 16th Earl of Shrewsbury, and he is described as England's leading Catholic layman. Pugin was hardworking and gave great attention to detail, and he's described as a designer of buildings, furniture, metalwork, jewellery, textiles, ceramics, wallpaper and books. So he worked very hard. His health deteriorated, and he died at the age of 40. He had completed an enormous body of work, mainly in England, which included the design of Big Ben and the interior of the Palace of Westminster. His other work in Ireland included St. Aidan's in Aniscorthy, St. Mary's Cathedral in Killarney, and parts of Adair Manor.
0: You mentioned that Pugin died. Was he alive for the completion of the Russell Library, or could you give us more background
1: on the library? Well, it's unfortunate, but he was not alive for the completion of the Russell Library. The Russell Library was fitted out in 1860 and Pugin had died in 1852. Before this, the library was located in Dunboyne House. The Russell Library, um, it's a long room, 143 feet, uh, shelving on either side and study tables in the center. It's very much a Pugin design, if a little paired back. We have a high hammer beam roof, There is a chronological frieze thought to be contemporary, listing prominent church philosophers and saints on the upper walls of the room. Door locks and window details are all Pugin designs. In addition, we have Pugin's architectural drawings in our collections. The building was carried out according to his designs.
0: The architectural drawings, Pugin actually penned them? Yes, yes. Okay, I think we have a good grasp on the brief history of the library. Could we shift over to the collections and what we have here and how we came to have them?
1: Yeah, yes. Most of the historic collections in the Russell Library came about through donation and bequest. The main print collection dates from about 1500 to 1850. As one would expect, about half of the collections Deal with philosophy and theology on one side of the room and secular subjects on the other. And the secular subjects are very interesting as they show the owners' interests in the world around them. For example, art, antiquities, science, travel, history of Ireland and Europe, ecclesiastical history, classics, maths, and music, to name but some. In all, there are about 28,000 books in the print collection uh, in the library. So just to mention maybe a couple of other collections that we have, we have incunables. We have about 60 and incunable or incunabula means out of the cradle. And these are books that are printed between 1450 and 1500. Our oldest book was printed in 1468, written by Petrus Comester. Our pamphlet collection, we have a wonderful pamphlet collection mainly 18th and 19th centuries published in Britain and Ireland and these cover a myriad of topics such as agrarian issues, health, the poor law, politics, court accounts of criminal trials, medicine and theological debates. Very often the debates take the form of a dialogue or a discussion on topics. So for example there may be something on transubstantiation written and then a uh, put out in pamphlet form pamphlets were very cheap and a very good way to disseminate information
0: so you were also talking about these debates taking the form of a dialogue or discussion yeah. on topics is it like set up kind of like a socratic dialogue
1: well so for example um the pamphlet uh, it might be on a theological to- topic for example so somebody uh will say something will say about uh the infallibility of the pope or whatever and that will go in a pamphlet form pamphlets were widely circulated cheap so it was a great way to disseminate information so then somebody else would pick up on that and answer it and produce a pamphlet in answer to that debate interesting so the debate would go on so they were nearly like the facebook of their day yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) you know Yeah, yeah that's
0: great and like a book which is um you know, about a certain topic, whatever. This is what people were thinking. This is their debate. This That's is it.
1: You get, you get all life. More raw. All life is portrayed in the pamphlets. We have 12,000 pamphlets, which are a great primary source for our students to access. So rare books. So we have a sizable collection of rare books, which we have safely locked away. Uh, re- they're rare because they have something extra special in relation to uh, their provenance printing details, signatures, annotations, or they may have a very strong minute connection that would make them unique. We have a collection of Ordnance Survey maps, first edition, six inches to one mile, and we have architectural drawings relating to the college and the John Paul II Library, and these include Pugin's drawings as well. Our manuscript collection comprises mainly of a collection of Gaelic manuscripts, which form one of the largest such collections in Ireland. Of the library's medieval manuscripts, the earliest dates back to the 11th century. But this is not the oldest thing that we have in our collection. Our oldest collection is that of our cuneiform collection. It dates from 3500 to 1900 BC, Uh, and they comprise 65 tablets and cones in the Sumerian language, and they really deal with administrative and economic accounts. The collection was amassed by an army chaplain in World War I, and was later given to Maynooth. The exciting collection has been digitized and is freely available from the Cuneiform Digital Library Initiative.
0: So not even in uh, 3500 BC were they free from bureaucracy and administration. (laughs) (coughs)
1: No, they were still concerned with money in, money out. Uh, Ah, yes, of course. So we're also the custodians of the Hibernian Bible Society. This is a collection that we have on permanent loan, and it is a collection of 2,500 Bibles in which 600 languages are represented. It's a wonderful collection, and we're very, very glad to have it in our uh, library. In terms of archives, there are two main collections, the St. Patrick's College archives and the Salamanca archives. The Irish College at at Salamanca closed its doors in 1952, and the archive dates from 1592. And we assist reader access to the collections through our archivist colleagues in St. Patrick's College.
0: These collections are awe-inspiring. This is really a special place with really truly special collections. Are there any collections that particularly interest you, that you have an affinity for?
1: Well, there is something to be found in every section that would be of interest you know, to most people. And one finds this when researching for an exhibition or sourcing material for a reader. We can learn as much from our readers from materials that they are consulting are from conference delegates who attend the university and where we would put on a display of material and these conference delegates are the experts in their field and we learn much more about our collections through them as well one of the interesting collections that we have is uh, our travel books there's always always something of interest to find in in that section
0: Ah, very good. I know our colleague Adam has written a few blogs detailing the travel books in different parts of the world. And we're actually going to release a YouTube video episode about the travel logs. Adam's helping me put that together. Well, that's great. Yeah. The video series is also called Library Treasures, as is the blog and as is this podcast. Mm. So with such special collections, the materials must be cared for and conserved. Can you briefly tell us about the conservation of the books and materials here?
1: Yes. Well, we're very fortunate to have our own conservation area here in the Russell Library. And our colleagues there ensure the preservation of our collections by keeping us all informed as to best practice in dealing with collections, handling material, and the checks that we have to make on the environment in both libraries, in the Russell Library and in the John Paul II Library. They are a vital part of the care of the collections, so they are always at our side to advise.
0: Do you work with colleagues in other library or university departments?
1: Yes, we do. Our special collections team is made up of uh, assistant librarian, senior library assistant, and library assistants, working in both locations. We also have archivists based in the John Paul II Library, conservators based in the Russell Library, and we liaise with our archivist colleagues in St. Patrick's College, Maynooth. We work with other library departments, general collections, and also with the digital programs and information systems department. We also work closely with academic departments on
0: campus. Susan, this has been a fascinating view of the Special Collections and Archives here at Maynooth University and St. Patrick's College Maynooth. I knew I was working in a a unique and special place, but your knowledge of it and the fascinating stories behind the construction of the building, the collections, the many characters that have lived full lives within these walls has anchored me and given me a much deeper and exciting perspective. Would you mind giving us some closing thoughts? Of
1: course. um, Well, The Russell Library is a jewel within the university, which is set in the historic town of Maynooth. It's a valuable resource for our students and staff in terms of teaching and research. We welcome scholars and visitors from all over the world. Our international students in particular like to bring their visiting families to see the Reading Room, where we always show some of our treasures. The Russell Library takes part in our National Heritage Week and Culture Night events. We showcase our collections through exhibitions in the Reading Room and we also create online exhibitions. Our staff publish articles and essays about our collections, exhibitions, outreach activities, teaching and and research activities. The Special Collections team also publish a twice monthly blog about our Special Collections under the title Maynooth Library Treasures. And you will find out a lot more about us from our website If you wish to visit the Russell Library, you will be welcome by just making an appointment beforehand.
0: Thank you so much, Susan.